You killed the wolf. Well, there's no crime in that, is there? The wolf was Balaam. You think I don't know the difference between a wolf and a man? Bela became a wolf, and you killed him. A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet, or a silver knife, or a stick with a silver handle. You're insane. I tell you I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. Take this charm, the pentagram, the sign of the wolf. It can break the evil spell. Evil spell? Pentagram, wolfbane. Oh, I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm gonna get out of here. Whoever is beaten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. October 30th at the Ophodian Theater in Portland, Maine, 7 p.m. The second annual Speak All Evil presents Halloween film screening this year, showing the 1985 Stuart Gordon Splatter Classic Reanimator. We'll be having a costume party, costume contest. You guys got your costumes yet? No. No. Yeah, I do. You got you're settled, Kat. <laughs> yep, I'm ready. I've been ready since like July. You've been ready. Yeah. I'm pretty confident. You have an idea? I do. Oh, you know what it's going to be, but you haven't correct. gone about it yet. Yes. yes. Mostly correct. Nothing. Okay. You have nothing? <laughs> no, no ideas. No ideas. Nope. I've been stumped. I've been feeling like I am on a collision course with Halloween. I'm way <laughs> behind. It's late October now, and I haven't made a single move and i thought mm-hmm. i was thinking about i always think you know if worst comes to worst you get some corpse paint you're a dead guy yeah. you know I, I was thinking i'm heading toward a phone in like that but on there's a wig. nothing against like you must still have your leather face from last year can't do that again why who made no, these rules that if you have a good costume I'm, you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna wear the same thing this you can year, wear though. my yes. costume we can just yeah. trade oh, costumes. Yeah, yes that's a better See, idea it's working i was <laughs> thinking i want to just borrow dave's ghost <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think it caught on fire that night. Oh, <laughs> it's covered in Dave's vomit. Yeah. <laughs> I think the vomit. reason why I've been apprehensive to pick a costume is because we're watching Reanimator, and I know that Matt guy is going to show up with his he- his own head on a fucking <laughs> platter, on <laughs> a petri dish or whatever, yeah. and he's going to be walking around the place. And anything short of that is going to, f- you know, yeah. Well, yeah. I like this cop out. I endorse that. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. we, we put it all into the first annual Halloween. Yeah. We, we never thought there'd be a second. I, <laughs> here we are. I'm out. I spent all my juice on Leatherface, which yeah. I think was the best costume. I think it's great. I would have won, Cat. I think. Um, I don't think Leatherface. So. I, I've been. Thinking I would have won. This, but you weren't been... the only Leatherface. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I would have won. I mean, my should have won just because of the performance the you know that went with it yeah i mean i was i was knocking you over were, pots and pans in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. i was slamming doors True. uh mysteriously I, I was there sometimes sometimes i wasn't i vanished you were the uh, walking dead <laughs> for the bitch <laughs> i get it now okay i well i just got an idea the night before last an idea surfaced out of nowhere and i think 
I might have to do it. Once once you get the idea, sometimes you get an idea and it's like you have to do it because that's the only idea you've got. That's yeah, regardless it. of level of complexity, <laughs> that's it's like right. it's You're, just lingering. That's right. Like, God yeah. damn it. Yeah. All and right. nothing else you do will be satisfying. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe one one of the classics. What do you mean? Like Freddy, Jason, Leatherface? No, no, no. Trent's got something no, no, I think go you can borrow. No, no, further than that, like Frankenstein. Oh, that's right. pretty oh, green involved. Green bolts in the neck, Frankenstein. or Yeah. I was the mummy one year. My pa- oh. parents wrapped me in like uh, old bandages from like a barn, and they all had like... <laughs> Probably like all their old bandages <laughs> and yours from all surgeries past. Mm. <laughs> we just save our gauze. <laughs> <laughs> Very economical. Don't throw that out. <laughs> it's good. It's still good. David might want to be a mummy some year. <laughs> it would be fun to some year do just all do universal monsters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I did that I mean, last year. If she's Elvira, year. that would almost That's work true. still. And I you did were the bride, bride last right? year, Frankenstein. I did try to get Nick as Frankenstein, but he decided to wait until the day of the party to go and buy the things. Uh, so he ended up being the Wolfman. Still Amateur. universal. I Amateur. thought the universal. Bride of Frankenstein was even better than Elvira. Maybe it's because I'd you. seen it before. I did too. Thank I you. think it was that very was good. the better costume. Thank you. Too. Thank yeah. you very much. That well, was the best one. That I got night. another one. I got Elvira and then I got my other one. So I got two this year. You're not announcing? I mean, I you think I already to. said I'm going to be a Bride oh. of Chucky. I'm going to be the Bride oh, of Chucky. Oh, yes. nice. Yeah. So. Tiff, Tiff, I You're got the so necklace and everything. You're so self-aware with your costumes. It's amazing. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Dave. I was surprised after all the talk last week about how terrible the new Exorcist Exorcist believer is. Kevin called it the one of the worst movies he's ever seen. After all that, I understand you went to the movies and saw Exorcist Believer. Well, I I had had a uh, an appointment with another podcast to be on. To How talk about. dare you! I know, Ooh. but we're, so we were we we're going to talk about it on its release day, which was supposed to be the thirteenth, and it got we got moved back. Like we talk about, uh, Taylor Swift dropped a new concert thing, and so it got it just got released on the sixth, and so it had been out a while by the time I did this. We intended to do it the first day that it came out, so at that point I went to it knowing that you had given a skating review. Even the Yes Men didn't like it. It was bad. It was bad. That's that's all I can say. You, it wasn't the worst ever. I wouldn't say it was... Like, I was expecting so bad that I might even like it more, like uh, Mariah Carey glitter kind of thing, showgirls, <laughs> but with, with possessed people, you know? But it wasn't that bad. It was just a run-of-the-mill bad horror movie. Like, um, what was that movie uh, that we were talking about that we saw with Negan from The Walking Dead, The Unholy. Oh. It's just this mid-level stupid ass. But there were no bad special effects in it. And I that's the only Fair. thing I can give it. It didn't ever take me out of the element. Um, there's some people floating and stuff. I can ex- I expect that with a demonic movie, but there weren't like, you know, outer realm lasers, but I just get sick of, you know, adults trying to talk to children through another dimension or wherever their soul is and they're just speaking through this gateway conjuring kind of style I'm poltergeist kinda, i yeah. always think of poltergeist yeah i'm, I'm kind of sick of it you well you told me that it was better than all the insidious movies yes. but oh. not as good as the conjuring right that was oh. your, that was better than all the conjuring sequel sequels but not bettering than the con- bettering <laughs> better than the conjuring <laughs> the bettering it's the bettering <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll double down. It's bullshit because it's an exorcist movie, so it has to be met with harsher criticism. Exactly. 
If you didn't call it extra, like an Exorcist right. movie, it would it, have just been one of the movies movie. that you're referencing because it's right. not part of like a legacy right. franchise. And like to your point, the special effects weren't terrible, but what fucks it up a lot is like the editing and the sound design were so jarring and like far too not Exorcist. None of it was suspenseful. Like they would try to set up like a cool legacy Exorcist shot, and then they would like shove it down your throat. Instead of what makes the original Exorcist so effective, is a lot of it's very subtle and like almost like subconsciously scaring the shit out of you. Whereas this one was just like, like let's have a wicked loud noise drop, and then we'll do a bunch of fast edits that have nothing to do with the scene that we were just trying to like immerse you in. Right, right, like that the whole snake jump that happened at the beginning. That's just like it. I felt like I was watching. Uh, like Friday the Thirteenth 3D, where they just do something random in there, like to like scare you. Although I did like the relationship between the father and daughter. I thought the single dad aspect of it was a little interesting. I I saw that there could be potential in their relationship if the movie had had been better overall. But I thought they really forced uh, what's her name from the original one in there. Yeah, big time. Um, and now I can picture her in all the rest with her new look. You know the new look they give her in it. Yeah. And that's going to be the thing, and she—that's going to be the iconic image they try to sell yeah. in all the sequels that they bought. Well, speaking <laughs> of uh, legacy franchises, Kevin, you saw Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, right? I did. Yes. What'd you think? Not as bad as I would have expected. Yeah. Mm. By no means are we talking about like you know Exorcist and Pet Cemetery in the same breath here in terms of like legacy, but Pet Cemetery, obviously Stephen King, and at this point. There have been two OG movies in the 90s. You had the remake in 2019, and now this one kind of follows that. And it's like the origin story of Judd Crandall. Um, obviously, uh, we we got John Lithgow in the 2019 and uh, Fred Munster <laughs> um, in uh, the original Pet Cemetery. So it's him as a kid. It's not as terrible as I would have expected, but again, I went in with very low expectations. Uh, it is a little David Duchovny's in it, which is a little weird. Oh. Uh, Henry Thomas, who's in, like, well, the kid from E.T., but a lot of the Flanagan properties now, he uses Henry Thomas. Some weird casting choices um, that maybe this would have worked even better if everybody was kind of relatively unknown, but not not a terrible flick. And it's on Paramount Plus, I think, has it for free. So if you have that, it's just it's just there. It's free. It's totally worth a watch. Slaughterhouse hit Hulu uh, this week. It's on Hulu now. I have wow. I didn't have time. I I've saw been, uh, it. Probably watch oh, it. You watch no, it, I yeah. saw that it was on there. Oh, oh man, I'm safe. I think that might be a, a this evening viewing for me. <laughs> oh, wow. You yeah, got the house to myself. I'm just gonna make a bunch of like a bowl of pasta. And I'm just gonna watch Slother. Slother. <laughs> I, I hope it's like super scary, just out of nowhere. What if it is? What if it is? What if it is? Then wow. I, I'll text you guys. I heard it's a lot of fun. This week, it's my Universal Monster Week. I've been. Uh, I haven't seen anything for the past week except old Universal monster horror movies. I've been way down the rabbit hole. I've been stuck in the Criterion Channel's new pre-code horror collection, which is amazing. And I've never, I'd never seen any of it before. It's all like early nineteen thirties horror movies. Um, so that's all I've been doing, and I've been loving it. I, I really haven't been that well educated in any of the stuff. You know, I saw like. Creature from the Black Lagoon when it was 3D in the 80s on TV and you bought the glasses at the checkout Aww. aisle at the grocery store. You guys remember that? 
No. Yeah, I, I remember that, but I, was it the same version or yeah, they, they was, just three D this? Yeah. Version? Well, it's the original movie was shot in three D. We'll get to that. Yeah. But this is my jam. Now these are both uh, postcode, so they're a, a little different. Uh, we're going to start with nineteen forty one, a little bit later in the classic monster era, The Wolfman. Having been living abroad for more than 18 years, Larry Talbot returns home to Wales after receiving word of his brother's unfortunate death during a hunting accident. At the expanse of Talbot Castle, Larry reunites with his formerly estranged father, Sir John Talbot. While back in his hometown, he visits an antique shop and, hoping to impress Gwen, the attractive shopkeeper, buys a silver walking cane. That same night, he kills a wolf with it, only to later learn that he actually killed a man. A mythical woman explains that it was her son, a werewolf, that he killed, and that Larry is now one himself. Lairwolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to get a wolf's howl from you. I was waiting. <laughs> Lairwolf is way better. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I saw this. This is on Prime right now. There's actually a bunch of the old Universal monster movies on Prime right now. Dracula is on there. I think The Invisible Man, The Mummy, and all that kind of stuff. So I hadn't seen this since I was a kid. I love this movie. This is kind of the birth of the werewolf lore in film as we know it. There was uh, one universal Wolfman movie called Werewolf of London in 31, and then this didn't follow until 10 years later, but this is really the standard. Lon Chaney Jr. plays Larry Talbot, the werewolf in question. Uh, of course, Lon Chaney Sr. played uh, the Phantom of the Opera in the like 20 silent film and had played Hunchback of Notre Dame, played Quasimodo. So this is Lon Chaney Jr. who would eventually end up just going by Lon Chaney and, and people would just kind of refer to him as that. Uh, but this was his first big breakout. He had been uh, with Universal for a little while. And this is kind of the era where actors would sign with studios and sort of be in all that studio's movies and they just cranked them out. If you look at the filmographies, you read all these movies and you're like, okay, that was one year. <laughs> yeah, you scroll for like 20 <laughs> seconds. Like, wow. It's like a porn and you're, actor. You've gone from Crazy. like 1941 to 1943. Yeah, that, an entire career just in a uh, worth of movies just in two years. So this is interesting to me in part because most of the Universal Monster movies were based on some kind of classic literature text like Dracula or Frankenstein or even The Invisible Man, the H.G. Wells stuff. So you're always drawing from something this is really just made up out of whole cloth. And, you know, of course, you can look back at folklore, shape-shifting legends and stuff like that. But they really just made all this stuff up. There was no definitive text for a wolfman. And this gives you all the, the classic tropes. The full moon, they don't... They mention the moon, but they don't actually go into the full moon yet on this one. That's the only thing really it's missing. They talk about the silver um, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So this is really fun as Bella Lugosi... Later, Lugosi, kind of sad to me now Now that I'm an expert, uh, now that I'm a, a one-week self-styled, self-styled expert on Lugosi. This is later. This is not Dracula. He played the original Dracula, of course, and, and still remains, I think, the definitive. Uh, this is much later, and he was relegated to the role of uh, a fortune teller named Bella, who does figure importantly into the story, but a little sad for me having just been watching him in his in his prime all week. This is tons of fun. I mean, is it scary? <laughs> I don't. It's not particularly scary. <laughs> it might be scary until you see the way the Wolfman walks, and then it's <laughs> like he's in heels. <laughs> <laughs> All laughs after that. Uh, Kat, what did you think of this? Had you seen this before? 
I hadn't, but y- you can't beat the classics, you know? No. Uh, while the the core Universal monster movies, they obviously lack on on the gore and the blood and the and that kind of stuff. I think it still found a way to be frightening in its own way and impactful, for sure. I would say the Wolfman didn't look scary. He looked a little corny, I think, but just from what I think we're used to in the ways of movie monsters uh it's more like he just now. he has a perm and a low brow it's the low very brow. low hairline you know it's but you know he's trying it, i'm sure you, i'm sure you guys will get into the facts of you know getting into the costume um and and all that fun stuff i still think that it was effective in convey in conveying like the dangerousness of this wolfman and definitely worked in tandem with cheney's performance i liked the movie it was short and sweet for sure. It was like an hour, mm, yes. an hour nine, but I kind of wanted it to be longer. This is like one of those instances I was like, I could go for another like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know like more backstory. I liked the romance kind of thing that was going on. I could have done with a little bit more of those romantic scenes. The actors, I think it's just something about the way that these films were shot and just the actors themselves. They just seem like so dreamy kind of like graceful and just kind of in their own it's like they're all just like on like these little clouds just kind of like floating around so I just I liked watching it I was confused in the um casting choice of his dad though because he definitely looked way younger (laughs) than his son I was so confused I was like wait when he calls him son I'm like wait I'm sorry what and so that I had to like do some research I'm like okay I definitely wanted more transformation scenes in this one, for sure. Obviously, it was a huge feat to try to get these kinds of shots, and it took forever to kind of do the the slow um, crossfade kind of a situation. But I just kind of wanted, like, that American Werewolf in London vibes of just, like, grotesque, like, hairy transformations. But instead, we got, like, unshaven legs. Yeah, you <laughs> don't really get thing. those great FX uh, yeah. transformations in this. But it was still a great watch. I watched it a couple times this week. It's so easy. It's so easy. You just yeah. throw it on. It's got this romantic, like, gothic poetry spooky vibe to yeah. it. And I, I thought it was just perfect for this uh, spooky season. The only thing I'll say about the costume is yak hair. Oh, so you could tell it's thick. That's it. (laughs) This was an interesting week for me because I don't know that I'd ever sat through the entire 1941 The Wolfman. Mm -hmm. Being like a child of the 80s and kind of early 90s there. Yeah. You know, that sort of has its own, like, quote unquote classics. Unless it was on TV, we weren't renting. We weren't going to the video store and getting these movies. No, and I don't know that this was ever really like on, so to speak, when I was growing up. So I didn't I didn't know a lot about it. What I did love about this week is what you talked about, Trent. I had no idea that this movie just sort of made up the entire Wolfman lore. I think I just very I wouldn't say naively, but because everything else was based on like gothic novels and had like lore, I assumed, okay, werewolves, same thing. I didn't realize that the screenwriter of this was just like, all right, Wolfsbane, and we're going to do this. Like, I actually think that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I love it. And probably something a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people probably think the same way that I did that this is based in some like deep rooted, you know, Eastern European stuff. And it's not. Uh, that was really cool to me. I love the romance angle, Cat. The fact that it was based in adultery in the 40s. Well, yeah. This wasn't just like dude meets girl and they kind of fall. Like, she keeps being like, I'm married, man, but I'm kind of into you. 
He's got uh, that. And hand. then as far as like Wolfman transformations, I hold nothing against anything, even as far back as the 40s, because I, that's, to me, the, the wolf man transformation is one of the hardest things to do in cinema still to this day. We've seen, we, it's run the gamut. I think that Landis gets a ton of credit because that's one of the cooler transformation scenes that you see. But even today, like, you can go to, like, Dog Soldiers does it pretty well, like the Neil Marshall flick. But then you've got, like, Underworld and you know, some people that go, like, to CGI. style. It's a real hard thing to do. You yeah. know, like, you mentioned Dracula. <laughs> and Dave actually mentioned this recently, maybe not on the show, but just when we were talking, like, okay, you want to be a vampire. All right, well, put some fangs in and the howling, maybe just, the maybe howling just don't see the sun eye. for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the howling, but werewolves are hard to do. So yeah. I actually kind of appreciated uh, seeing, you know, what they pulled off with this. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's really hard. Dave has ruined some of these older movies for me because now when I watch them, all I wait for is a, yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, Kat, thank you. I'll actually watch these now. Uh, there is an appreciation to give about the fact that, like, these people were really acting. Like, the, you called it dreamy, but it's like they're gi- clearly giving a performance. Capital like, a, a lot of these movies yeah. weren't trying to be necessarily be based on, like, realism. Yeah. It was like, I'm an actor. Yeah. yeah. This is the cinema, yeah. and yeah. I will now perform for <laughs> yeah. you. Yes. Uh, which is cool. Uh, yeah, nothing to complain about here. It was rad, but I think the what I was the most excited about this week is like, wow, just some dude writing a movie in the 40s made up all of the werewolf lore that exists almost 100 years later. Yeah. It's just 80 years old, 80-year-old film. My go-to werewolf that I haven't brought to the show is Late Phases. Mm. is a cool werewolf movie, but I'm a big fan of lycanthropy. <laughs> but uh, as far as this goes, I honestly was kicking and screaming going into this uh i used to drive like classic cars uh and they weren't like oh i have a classic car and i have my suv it was just like i just had a classic car that cost like five hundred dollars and it always broke and it like rattled when i drove it and i kind of like thought that black and white white movies were akin to this sort of thing we just watched these you know, infinity pool, these big budget things. And now we're going back to like a little jalopy. And, you know, (laughs) and I was like, and also I think another bias that I had going into this was that I saw this, we often talk about creature double feature when this was uh, on TV when we were young. And when it was on, it was on TV. It was like seven hours long. It wasn't one hour long. It was like all day. But maybe they did, you know, the subsequent sequels and stuff like that. But I just remember when one of these black and white movies would hit Creature Double Feature, it'd usually be like Godzilla or something flashier first, and then this for the rest of the day. So I kind of watched it passively, and I, you know, I wasn't into it as a kid at all. And also when I graduated to, you know, at, at about this age um, to like VHS video nasties i was like okay i'm all set with a wolfman i don't need to go back and see yeah old cheesy stuff yeah right right and uh the whole thing that you were doing earlier about like uh the actor's father was in such and such of course and like (laughs) i have no idea i'm very not well versed in this stuff um i've tried to watch the cabinet of dr caligari and i've tried to well we watched nosferatu that's way way back but my problem was i thought that all these movies in this in, that were black and white 
were like created equal, and they were all like from the same era, especially the hammer and the monster stuff. Um, I for some reason just thought it was all the same era. And between these two movies, I saw a lot of production changes uh, between the two. Like the, the just what was it like fifteen years later or something. The uh, um, the lagoon, the lagoon, yeah, lagoon is yeah, yeah, over yeah, fifteen years later, just about something like that. Yeah. But, um and I don't know what I was thinking with it with the old time movies because I don't know know what movies where they talk fast like that. You know, hey man, hold on, get the pages. It depends on how many transatlantic accented actors are in the cocaine thirties. Yeah, there are some that are more like that that I've seen, and some that are less. So this time was pretty much a fresh watch, although every image from this is burned in my head. There were some of the scenes, like I like the scenes, uh, like the hallucinations when he was turning uh, into the wolf, um, where you just see like all these images overlaid over each other. And I thought for the time, especially, the effects were great. I like the prophetic thing of the star in the hand, the pentagram, and you know who's going to die next, and then they're preventing that. I thought that that made an interesting conflict, especially with the romance situation. Overall, I liked it. I, I like, um, I, I have to look at them a little differently. Like, I look for the sets and stuff. Uh, a lot of the times when the actual scary stuff happens, it's on a set, like in Frankenstein, Ride of Frankenstein. So it's cool to see how elaborate these sets get and how scary they are. Because, again, our senses have been extremely numbed by... A haunted house has everything they this movie has in 2023. And then some. I know exactly. So uh, it's kind of hard to um, forget everything you've you've seen. There's a higher production value at the local hayride, right? I yeah. <laughs> but I I did like it. I would say that I liked the creature from the Black Lagoon that we're going to talk about next better uh, than this one. But it was cool to see the production jump from the two. And I would kind of like to watch everything throughout like you did, Trent, after watching these two together. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, Kat, you mentioned the, um, the infidelity story. A, a lot of this to me, I, I think especially having seen uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is like 32 Jekyll? pre-code. Yeah, it's actually Jekyll. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. See, like, Who's yeah, going to call it that? Here we go. It's actually Jekyll? created a monster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. He's alive. <laughs> oh. Listen, just go ahead and divide your life up into two chapters right now. Before you knew it was Jekyll and after. It's actually Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That was the early Before 30s. Before I was friends with Trent <laughs> and after. <laughs> so... Now, originally, the the Wolfman was seen as kind of a ripoff. It's it's the same thing as as uh, Doctor Jekyll, but that movie being pre code, I think this is where the difference of the the Hayes Code was instituted in the mid '30s to really put a clamp on some of the uh, tawdrier themes and keep these movies a little bit more in line. So the earlier version of this, which is you know the the Hyde monster, it's much more overtly sexual. And Hyde is in the original movie is a drunken, violent sex pervert. Mm -hmm. He goes and, and uh, has violent sex that leaves the woman in bruises and stuff oh. like that. And uh, there's much more skin and it's a little wilder. So this is postcode. And I think that's why some of those themes are, they're right there, but they're not mm -hmm. really ex explored. They're, they're barely kind of 
acknowledged. So when you say, can you explain what co- like pre-code and post-code the, would the be? The Hays Code was in the mid-30s. It was like a, a censorship. Okay. It was a, a passed as a law that these movies had to undergo the censorship, and they were a lot more stringent on what you could show, what you mm-hmm. could infer, how violent you could be, how much skin would be in it. One of the quotes from the actual law is something about good must be presented as good and evil must be presented as evil. So it it even went to like just the themes of the movie that Mm -hmm. they didn't want ambiguous films. They wanted everything to be pretty clear cut. And so I think that's one of the reasons why you get little teases of the stuff in this, but there's one kiss in the movie. There's no, you know, they don't really- I wanted more. Horror invented regulation. I mean, we would be living in a lawless land if it wasn't for (laughs) these pioneers getting out there and breaking these rules. One thing I thought was also pretty- progressive was the voyeuristic telescope <laughs> camera view we're really like really getting into binoculars and telescopes yeah. and stuff here this is like a real again but that, but that's an early on the show now. that's an early camera technique uh that i don't know that was done right it's almost this, like I don't a know rear a window i was gonna say yeah. Like yeah. Hitchcock, yeah. a lot yeah. later yeah. disturbia you know same ballpark as hitchcock right and that was also one of the creepier parts of the movie that yep. today stands a little awkward because I've been I've been watching you. Yeah. Oh, go <laughs> put earrings those earrings on. Yeah. Wow. I've been watching yeah. you with my well, telescope. He, like, he gets the telescope and it's like this whimsical music and he's like f- like focusing on this beautiful little town and then immediately he's like, hot chick. Nice. What's up? Just gonna stop here. <laughs> well, it's interesting this whole code being and did we talk about this during Psycho, or is that a different rule where you couldn't have a friggin' toilet flush or whatever? Mm. I think there was still a lot of... I think yeah. maybe the, the code, the Hayes code, maybe wasn't being followed to the letter by that point. I'm sure but there, there was, was still like stuff 10 other codes The studios wouldn't yeah, let you do it. like 30 law years later, or yeah. 20-something years later. Yeah. But this one is a little bit ambiguous, and evil isn't explicitly evil in this. I mean, this guy doesn't realize that he is the werewolf for a while and i don't think until the whole pentagram thing like there is some ambiguity and i read that the the script writer left it completely ambiguous as to whether or not he knew or whether or not he was really changing into a wolf or not or if he just thought in his mind right and it was like a whole like mental thing well that's that's the thing because they show you the definition of Lycanthropy, <laughs> self-aware wolf. <laughs> they show you the the definition of lycanthropy, and it says it's a disease of the mind that the person thinks they're a wolf, and then things can happen from there. So yeah, that's kind of unclear a little bit. I've been trying it; it's not working. I've been trying to think like I try to grow hair like crazy as a teen <laughs> using the same method, and it doesn't work. Well, a lot of these old movies from this time, it seems to me, there's a lot of stuff about uh, the tension of, of the evolutionary theory uh, in the public mind and whether we evolved from animals or not. That was still, I think, way more controversial. We kind of just take evolutionary theory now as fact. That was a much more controversial idea still back in the 30s and 40s. And a lot of these movies are like the duality of man and beast and how how much is man and how much is beast and discussions. And we, they get into it in The Creature from the Black Lagoon, discussions of evolution and whether man came is just a more civilized beast or not and all that. So this is kind of like his beastly side is coming to the fore. He looks just like Shep from the Three Stooges with his when his hair gets oh, all disheveled. <laughs> it's like a bowl cut. 
Yeah, he's well, got like a bowl cut after he hit his slick back businessman hair like goes to hell. But I do think it's even like I mentioned, like the whole fact that that she is married in this. Like she's I think engaged. That's, she's engaged to be married. Engaged yeah. to be either way, she <laughs> is not single. It, it, that's it's right. so <laughs> a surprise to your point, Trent. Like they're really kind of I think pushing the envelope here based on what you're saying about well, his code. And well, but there she's yeah she's engaged to be married, but it just only shows them go on a walk. You know, it doesn't talk, and everybody, you know, her dad doesn't mind it. It's it's not like they ever show her, pull her garter up and show her thigh or do anything really explicit like that. He asks her to go for a walk, and they do that a couple times. There's one yeah. kiss. So it's just a mock. I just, it's milder version of that. You know what I kind of noticed is that it seems like a lot of people in this film were like very like oracle Her fiance was like, that man's got like evil inside of him. Yeah. Don't worry. His like, dog does that. Yeah. Works, yeah. That's an age old trick. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, you have two fortune tellers in this. I really just have been enjoying the, the whole gothic mood of some of these movies. And I would say this is a, a little lighter than some of them on that. But, you know, you have fortune tellers running around and the woods are always smoky and foggy and you have those scary looking trees. Just that whole vibe is fun to me. Well, I like the point that you're kind of getting at. You will. You've gotten to a couple of them. It's interesting to go back in 2023 and look at these movies and try to wonder what they were injecting in. Yeah. Subtly. Because, like, the movie we'll talk about next, uh, you know, you could take that down, like, a million different paths of things that may or may not have been considered in the 50s when that was made. Same with this one. Did you, in, in your in your massive accredited research this week, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure, yes, you'll be getting an award for soon. <laughs> did you watch Cat People from 1942? I've not seen Cat People, no. Okay, Ooh. so I, I did not. I didn't either. But I did read that there are a lot of similarities between the two. The difference being that in this one, obviously, it's a man that's you know going through puberty, and then in in yep. Catwoman, they kind of flip it, and it's like the females that are like more like the cat part of them is like very right. lustful um, and yeah, like um, both seem to be saying like desire is a real problem here. Nice. The murders in the room morgue is another one. Um, the Island of lost souls. There's a lot of, a lot of them are dealing with that man and beast thing. That's pretty common. And also you, you talked about the original screenplay, all of these movies. If you, there's, there's a wealth of information about a lot of this stuff. You don't get as much about the budgets and the box offices and things, but all these movies went through various studio rewrites, different, you know, we talk about development hell now, but it was the same back then, different writers coming on and off board. And you can always find out stuff, that was in the screenplay originally that got taken out that got changed. Shout out uh, the monsters who made us podcast. That's a really great podcast just about all these old classic monsters. And uh, I've learned a lot from them. Great show. Are you going to jump ship for that one? Is that where you're going next? <laughs> no. Crossover? That's why you're cramming so they, hard here? They like read books and stuff. You know? oh. <laughs> oh, well, fuck Gross. that. They really know. These movies are like 66 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. I got time for that. <laughs> I really want to know. I really liked uh, Robert James's uh, early take on this, the uh, Beaver Man from 1914. <laughs> uh, <laughs> produced in South Germany, uh, just in black. It wasn't in black and white, it was just black. 
Well, Lon Chaney would go on after this to be the only person to ever play the Wolfman again in a universal horror movie. He did all the sequels and crossovers. It's kind of an MCU universe here because <laughs> after the first movies, they all get into the son of the bride of the brother of the returns again, <laughs> uh, and they do crossover Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, meets Abbott and Costello, and like all this kind of stuff. So Cheney would stay the Wolfman and actually is the only actor to have played all four major monsters. He played the Wolfman, he played Dracula, he played the Mummy, and he played later uh, Frankenstein. Oh. I have an important question. What were people for Halloween before this universe? (laughs) 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 What were you? Okay, my next pick for classic Universal Monster Week, Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954. After Dr. Carl Maya finds unique skeletal remains, a group of scientists, led by David Reed, head down the Amazon to see if other remains can be found. They have little luck at first until hearing that further downriver lies the Black Lagoon where other fossils might be. They get more than they bargain for when they discover a living prehistoric creature, a half-man, half-amphibious reptile that doesn't take kindly to their attempts to capture him. The creature does take a liking to David's girlfriend, Kay Lawrence, and kidnaps her. Now it's war against the scientists as they try to rescue her while being trapped by this otherworldly being in his lagoon. I love this one. Holds up great to me. This is, however, I think compared to The Wolfman and all the other movies that we've talked about this week up to this point, an entirely different kettle of fish. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> In terms of the universal plus universe, <laughs> and I, I have been very interested now to put this movie in some context because this is probably the one out of all the old Universal movies that I had seen the most as a kid. I remember it was run, it ran on television, 3D and all that. So you think, to me at least, I think of Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, and all the rest as being in that same stable. If you go get classic DVD boxes, this will be in there with all those. But this really is, is much later, first of all, of course, this is 54, this is uh, post practically modern. Practically modern. This is post World War II. All the other Universal movies are post World War One. So now we are post Atomic Age, post Oppenheimer, and the old Universal monster movies are pretty much long dead by this point. Uh, and what you have, I think, kind of taking their place at the time. We talked about Critters last week as being an homage to the fifties sci-fi monster adventure movies that were big at this time. And so this was like Universal's attempt to, hey, let's get on that train and let's revive the old monster glory with the the Gill Man. <laughs> Wait, this is a throwback? <laughs> Gilman. <laughs> the Gilman. Yeah, this is this is not a tribute to the nineteen fifties sci-fi horror movies. This is just a nineteen fifties sci-fi horror movie. And it's actually quite a bit different than the Wolfman and those other movies. There there's no more gothic darkness in this except for the grotto scenes which that's why they're my favorite but you don't get much of that at all this is daylight horror broad stark daylight and really more of i'd say more of a 
an adventure action horror adventure. It's a monster movie first, but then after that, it's really more of an action adventure movie, not a dark brooding gothic horror. So this is a lot of fun. You can't say you don't get too much creature. This is all creature. So you might get too much creature, if anything, in this. They did not go the less is more route with this movie. They had that incredible suit, incredible design, and they had underwater cameras, and they were going to do as much of the creature and as much underwater as they could and really wow you. I think it still works. Love this one. And great score. I could definitely tell it it upped the standards uh, for production value. I did find it to be more of an action movie. It kind of, uh, parts of it, they're almost like archaeologists like Indiana Jones yeah. in the beginning. But I love that claw hand they find. Um, it also obviously had anaconda vibes. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> or, or vice versa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I did and I didn't realize that, you know, I thought Jaws did this whole thing where you see the person swimming and, and you're looking up at their legs from that camera view. I thought that was something that Jaws invented. And yeah. it was done in this. And unlike the other movie, I thought this was actually scary. I thought the scenes of him like looking like a corpse in the bottom of the algae. You don't see his eyeballs. You just see like a black sunken holes. Uh, I thought that was like very scary. I we did some role playing at my house because the main characters were David and Kay. Do tell. I call Kay. <laughs> uh, it's just like lots of it's just like a clam bake sort of thing. Um, romantic what? clam bake. No, <laughs> there's too many there's too many fish jokes this week uh, with this movie. Uh, I'm just gonna stay away from you're all, all the fish jokes. But the suit is obviously the most iconic thing about this movie. I'm a big fan of the stuff that came after this, uh, like the humanoids from the deep and all the the slimy creatures that come out of the water. I liked how this was just one. This could have easily been creatures from the Black Lagoon, and they're everywhere. Right, right. And I thought they played the monster well. They played him straight. He wasn't goofy. He didn't walk up on his toes. He didn't do anything <laughs> stupid. He didn't talk. He didn't make much sounds, did he? He made he made some roaring sounds, I think, yeah. which made me question his lungs and his voice box and his gills and all that stuff. But overall, this movie was maybe the biggest surprise that I've had in black and white, uh, besides for Night of the Living Dead. Everything else, I've, I've been a little bit, you know, like, okay, I'll sit through this. And to be honest, it's a little bit like pulling teeth for me. Uh, and it's a discipline I've tried to get better at because I feel like I should be versed in this stuff. But this is the first one from this era that really caught me. And I thought some of the stuff was striking. I thought the way it looked was great. I thought the actors were great. I like the thruple dynamic with Mark and uh, <laughs> David and Kay. It was overall just uh, a good Hollywood movie. It felt much more Hollywood than all the other black and white monster movies. Yeah, I, I think this is Jaws before Jaws. I think maybe because we grew up in Maine, we did a lot of swimming in lakes and sort and of ocean. like pretty similar. We have an ocean, but we also have some shit that looks Murky, like the underwater. Yeah. So you guys were talking about how, and you've talked about it many times, like creature double feature. And I think you're right, Dave. Like I think oftentimes if, if uh, a TV station bought the rights to like a movie, they would like universal would be like, here's the whole package. <clears throat> and that's all you'd see all day long. Cause right. I have a lot more memories as a kid of creature from the black lagoon. And it really scaring me. And that and jaws, even though I was, 
in a in a lake most of the time scared the shit out of me. The, these types of movies scare me so much. And the fact that like it is just a creature. It's not a person. There's no person into beast. There's no talking. There's nothing. It's just what the fuck is this? It could be down in the seaweed or whatever dark part of the lake that is. It really scares the shit out of me. That being said, this one was a little bit less exciting than I remembered. I don't remember it being so like very set. Kind of like, I mean, Anaconda, like we joke about like, okay, well, they get on that boat and that's it, guys. They're on that fucking boat. This one's kind of the same thing. Like I remember it being a little bit more like action-y or maybe like multiple settings, but maybe it's because it also is very heavily King Kong vibe. So maybe yes. just in my mind, I had Big it mixed time. up with like, yeah. oh, the creature must make it back to the city and they must catch him <laughs> and bring him back to the city or some shit. But that is their intention in this movie. They just don't quite get there. But yeah, like everything, the suit, the couple dynamic, which by the way, the dude that plays Mark in this was married to uh, Evelyn Ankers, who played uh, the lead role in Wolfman. Wow. The woman that was uh, engaged to be married there. Um, So there's a little bit of a real life love triangle in the universal dark universe. But yeah, overall, this one really, really cool. I definitely hadn't revisited it since whatever sparse memories I have as a child. Uh, but I do think that uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon is a very underrated, you know, you talked about Wolfman being kind of like a B-level. Uh, I think Creature from the Black Lagoon is as well. Um, and again, I think another one that isn't super deep-rooted in some type of lore, just kind of yeah. a mishmash of yep. some pretty obvious things that you would make yep. uh, in this era of let's combine humans and creatures, uh, which to me makes it a little bit more scary than, you know, possibly like a Dracula or something like that. I love it. I loved it. Well, I definitely appreciated the historical importance of this film in cinema. <laughs> going no, going into it, I was thinking it was going to be a boring watch. I was like, okay, it's important, but like, all right, going to see this guy like swim around. Can't wait. However, I was a silly, silly little bitch. All right? <laughs> this movie fucks. Nice. Thank you. While it does look a little cheesy, I would say, just like as a la Wolfman, compared to kind of what we what we see now, what a marvel in prosthetics and the underwater yeah. scenes that yeah. it had going for it. Right. Oh my God. Right. That suit looked very scary with those soulless, like stupid little eyes just like <laughs> penetrating. I will say it did kind of give me um, some behind the mask vibes, some Leslie Vernon uh, oh. mask oh. vibes. I thought those. you were going to say SpongeBob. <laughs> no, oh, a little bit. Squidward. SpongeBob vibes. <laughs> some Squidward vibes. It was just those eyes that really got me. That suit could not have been easy to swim in. No. Like, abs- it was not aero di- or uh, water dynamic at all. It was very bulky. So the guy in there must have been like an Olympic swimmer or something. It looked like a little awkward at first moving through the water, but then he all of a sudden like had these very graceful moments of like floating like right underneath the woman who's on the top of the water and just like gliding through like the murky water. I liked the character dynamics going on. They were super interesting. I liked the pissing contest going on between the two dudes. That was funny for me to watch. But I really loved the main character, Kay. She was my girl. Um, She just wanted to be down in the water. She just wanted to be in there being a scientist. She wanted to explore. Even when she feels like the little tickle on her Mm. foot, she's like, oh, let me go see what's down there. I would never do that. I would 
absolutely just go no, back I'm to the out. boat. It's nope. alligators. Out. I'm like, <laughs> it's seaweed. <laughs> no. Anything. Like, I don't get want to touch it, whatever it is. It's nope. the Amazon, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. How come there's no other murderous <laughs> things <laughs> in this lagoon? There was like, only two. They found poisonous. the fossil of one, and then and there's then just this other one. There's no like poison snakes or anything, though? I assume you just dive in and try to get right back out, and you'd already be dead. Like, one second in that water. There's like a water tarantula that we don't know about. Piranha. down there. Um, I love the black and white. It's again that vibe, that like glowy kind of floating vibe that I'm I'm super into. I like the setting, how it's just in this one spot. It's on the boat, but it's mostly just like in this like daytime water area until you go to his like little cavern um, that he lives in. But you're only in there for like a little bit. It was interesting because I thought there was going to be more like, I don't know if character development's the right word. I thought you were going to get more, not backstory, but you're going to know more about the creature itself. Because going into it, I'm like team creature, you know, men are evil and I want him to be with Kay. I want the, I want a shape of water situation. <laughs> I want them to end up together. But then you quickly realize that that's, uh, he's, a, he's a monster. But he does have his moments of, you know, he didn't want to kill those two dudes at first, it seemed like. He was kind of just like exploring and then they were trying to kill him. And so he's like, oh, okay, well, you're dead now. But yeah, it had suspenseful scenes. I loved the the death of the shitty guy, Mark. I mean, he's just like, nope, you're That's in the great, water now. I loved scene. that scene. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason that this is a classic and I think it really delivered. And, you know, it's it makes sense because I love Jaws. So obviously watching this, you see all the parallels and I'm very into it. I think this started, uh, from what I can gather, very much as the idea of being sort of a Beauty and the Beast kind of rip. Mm-hmm. King uh, Kong type King deal. Kong type of rip, yeah. Without, without the empathy, though. Like, they don't give you any... Like, you I, don't really get to... I disagree, I disagree. 100%. I, really, I thought yeah. it was very empathetic. I, Especially now, I watched this about a year ago, and watching it now, I was much more... And, and I don't know if it's, I think the suit, the menace of the suit only lasts one viewing because I thought it was scarier last time. This time, once you, you see him with the big round eyes and the mouth, he's got that open downturned right. mouth. All the time. I just, even though he's killing them easily one by one, this guy has a body count of like five kills and he's relentlessly attacking them over and over. He's still to me just... There's an air of haplessness about him. Like if you, it looks like he's at, yawning. He's uh, opening his mouth yes. wide. Oh, every, yes. He's got to kill somebody else. Every scene, oh. if you just in his head, he's going. Rah, 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 can't but, believe this again. But rah. he's not a monster. He does not attack unless provoked. Uh, he attacked the first two guys in the tent. What did they do? They I threw a fucking said, lantern at him. Yeah. They threw a goddamn thing of fire at him. And so he's like, "Nuh-uh." No, and in the tent. Yeah. Yes. That was maybe that's the how most it started. Provoked. He's just like, "Hey, what are these guys doing oh, here?" He opens the oh. tent flap, and they're like, "Let me throw this ball of fire at you." Oh, and he's like, "And you're right. dead." So yeah. he he was provoked throughout every single time. Yeah. He's just trying to chill, like ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. like yeah. It's not his fault. He looks like that. Yeah, <laughs> not this again. It was funny that you were talking about them bringing the creature to New York, and I think the this creature franchise might be the only one oh, that it would, doesn't that, <laughs> no the, his final form in space he would thrive think, and he looks like he could be in Star Wars I think he did go to the city because there were two sequels to this there's Revenge of the Creature and the Creature Walks Among Us I think at least in the third one I think he's out there more in civilization but does he chance. go to space though I don't <laughs> know about that part let's, let's get on it 
Yeah, we can write that screenplay. Well, the director of this, um, Jack Arnold, he that's what he had been doing. He directed It Came From Outer Space. He directed Tarantula, which was like a spider from outer space. He directed The Incredible Shrinking Man. I mean, probably... more importantly, he did a whole bunch of Brady Bunch and a whole bunch of Gilligan's Island episodes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> same. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of the, some of the uh, jungle scenes in this were filmed on the same backlot as Gilligan's Island, if you were... Wow. discerning viewer maybe you might notice some of the same plants I don't know <laughs> it, well that beach that she's on when she's just kind of like staring into the water and he's coming up behind her yeah that looks kind of like Gilligan's that's, where, that's, yeah, where, yeah. that's where Tom Hanks ended up in Castaway <laughs> <laughs> what a great mashup that would be <gasps> Tom Hanks just Wilson sitting is, on the beach that guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But both both of the movies, though, uh, they, they do raise the question of like it is again to go back to your things having to be like explicitly evil. The Wolfman is ambiguous. Is he evil? Be, the guy got bitten by a wolf or scratched by a wolf, or whatever. This one, he's not a monster. He literally right. is just right. happily swimming around. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, fuck this guy. Let's he's catch him. Just lost his well, friend probably because they found uh, his. Well, I mean, that hand. hand looked like it was a little old. We but. don't know. That, that's the whole tension between the two guys, between Mark and David, the boss and the underling. The, the whole thing between them is that the boss wants to kill the creature and bring it back like a hunting trophy. And his underling, the, the main character, David, he wants to study it. He's real committed to science. And you, you get a few of scenes that I would kind of, they feel like um, sort of, Hollywood sort of moralizing and preaching. You get the environmental speech, you get the evolution speech, and then you get the, you know, don't disturb the wildlife, basically, is what this movie comes down to. Yeah, that's what I was talking about when I was like, it's fun to watch these movies now, decades after, like, a lot of these issues have come to the forefront. Um, it's, I'm just same curious. Issues. I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Is yeah. it the same issues? Like, maybe just not quite as prevalent and obviously, you know, social media news outlets things like that have gotten a lot more accessible over the years but yeah i found it i mean even indigenous people come up in this a lot um it's and, and one of the things i read that was interesting a lot obviously this was the big inspiration for the shape of water and del toro actually shape of water came out of the of the fact that del toro failed to get a remake of this off the ground and one of the th i'm not taking credit for this i just read it and think it's actually very insightful the shape of water he Del Toro tells the story from the perspective of a minority, from the woman that's working uh, with the creature, and and mostly from the creature. Where in right. this one, you like the indigenous people just all die, and the creature never speaks. You don't really get any type of backstory, like you mentioned, Cat, or anything. It's just from the men, and men. like you mentioned, Trent, like one wants to just kill it like a trophy, one wants to take it back and study it. But I did appreciate the fact that Kay in this is very atypical for a leading woman in a movie at this time. She's a badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, they keep trying to sideline her, and she keeps kind of proving totally that she independent. Need to be. Like she's. They even have like that little chat where she. They're asking one of them's asking when are you going to get married, and you know, yeah, yeah. And, and even the guy is like, <laughs> "Fucking, she doesn't need me." Like, like, <laughs> I blame the pescatarians. Because I feel like hey. fish. Yeah, yeah, it's you. Kevin's I'm fault. looking at you. <laughs> I mean, the whole deal yeah, with fish are constantly, throughout history, every day, disrespected. The whole practice of catching them in the face with a metal hook and then ripping it out and throwing them back. I mean, power oh, they don't feel anything. What was I supposed to do when I was 12? Yeah. Not listen to Kurt Cobain? Do fish have feelings? Does this guy have feelings? I mean, does he 
I, can I, they like I think he definitely has feelings. He got shot a lot though. He did. Well, he's tough. He's a tough customer. He's strong. Gill man. I would have him carry me he around. Ha- he definitely has feelings for Kay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's very clear to me. That's what really sets him off even more is the scene where she goes for a swim. When he sees her up above overhead in the water, that's to me, that's when he really turns on and he decides that he's got to get Kay. He attempts to a couple times. One of my favorite things about this movie is every time they show the monster or the monster's claw, which the first, there's a number of times they just keep showing his claw come out somewhere. You have that that theme, the theme music, the monster's theme, super dramatic, over the top, um, horns and stuff like that. And it just, by the end of the movie, you're kind of sick of the theme. But The fight scenes are pretty lame in this, though. They're like professional wrestling like if you were doing it with a baby and you didn't want to hurt it they just kind of pick people up and put him down and when he picks her up off the beach she like lays down so he can pick her up like not to hurt his back almost yeah. <laughs> it's like the underwater ones though the underwater fight scenes are good yeah they are good i like the harpoon yeah i that. thought the fight the fight scenes were pretty good i love the yeah. scene where uh, one of his final attacks they throw the the kerosene lantern on him he bursts into flames and then he has to, so he's in the suit and now he's totally engulfed in flames and then he dives into the water. I was like, that's some pretty serious stunt work for 1954. <laughs> well, we are watching, I guess, clips of it on YouTube right now with no sound and you saying he looks like he's yawning. Like, <laughs> yeah. they just had one. It also looks like he's burping. I feel like watching it without <laughs> sound. Like, he tries to move his mouth and you can just picture like, that. <laughs> he's not having the best day. Is what yeah. it, is you what can have a, bur- a burp stuck meme. You know, like when you get a burp stuck and it won't come out and it's just his mouth moving well allegedly again dumb facts ingmar bergman would watch this movie every single year on his birthday oh well you mentioned um the shape of water guillermo del toro was one of many directors who have been over the years attached to an attempt to remake this movie it had the two sequels i mentioned from 55 and and 56 they uh they cranked out but some of the names that have been attached to remakes of this john landis peter jackson ivan reitman john carpenter uh and then finally del toro who just decided that he want he wanted to do the romantic take it more of the beauty in the beast direction and that didn't work out and so he just decided to go make the shape of water which is a great i love the shape of water best picture great movie if you haven't seen that did you get into any of these sequels i did not get into either of the sequels no they look like fun though i know i was excited but i think one of them's like rental right now or sorry i think this was a rental I this is ho- vod yeah. yeah i was hoping that one of the sequels would pop up for free i, I definitely i mean you got time these are short ones yeah i think we've got bigger fish to fry oh uh, how would you rate this though on a scale from <laughs> one to ten <laughs> well i'm a pescatarian i'd eat it uh, not gonna bite fish fish jokes fish, fish. <laughs> <laughs> bucket to chub <laughs> next week I'm going with church-based horror movies, 1971's Blood on Satan's Claw. Oh, nice. And 2020 Polish instant classic, Hellhole. I'll let you guys be the judge of that, though.